Hey everyone, Josh here. Quick question for you. Do you like coffee? Even more important question, do you like fresh coffee? Coffee that's roasted to order and doesn't taste like the bottom of your kitchen oven. If you answered yes to any of these questions, then you need to head over to McQuanoCoffee.com and get yourself some of the best coffee there is to get. Whether you like the light roast or the dark roast or you're feeling a little whimsical and you want to get that sample pack, McQuano Coffee Roasters has everything you need. And just when you thought this couldn't get any sweeter, make sure to use the promo code REFORMATORY to get 20% off all bagged coffee. Do yourself a favor and stop drinking bad coffee because you know what? Life's too short for that. Head on over to McQuanoCoffee.com and use the promo code REFORMATORY to get 20% off all bagged coffee. You will not regret it. Thanks, and now on to the show. What's wrong with you people? How do y'all feel this morning? Why do you always make me define what you meant? What? That's how I feel. I don't know why you're clapping. I'm talking about you. Hello and welcome to the Reformatory, the podcast for the local church by the local church. My name is Josh Loftus, and I'm here with my compadre in arms, Jack Barry. Yo, what's going on, my man? I am lounging. You are lounging. You, yes. man, you're looking comfy today. I, like, like, like I said, like you looking comfy. I look like Jerry Seinfeld. <laughs> oh my goodness! <laughs> I look like a ripoff of some Jerry's, like a millennial Jerry Seinfeld. Right? You look now like a Southern like dad that's going to church. That's <laughs> wow. what you look like. Wow. Got them jeans. You got that vest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm trying to yeah. switch out the vest. I'm trying to get a Villanova vest. Are you? Yeah. You're gonna, you're gonna up your game. I do have to okay. up my game. Okay. But I'm getting that VA cachiche here soon. Hey, so. look at you, man! Exploit the system. <laughs> I mean, I love it. I mean, like well, stick it to the man any way that you can. That's my motto. I want that on my on my on my tombstone. Stick it to the man. I don't know if applying for post nine eleven GI Bill benefits and going to school is necessarily sticking uh, it to the man you to get money. But okay. You don't need those things. What are you talking about? What? You don't need any of that money, man. What are you talking about? <laughs> I'm giving you a hard time. Uh, no, it's my personal belief that any combat veteran should have tax-free the rest of their life. But, you know, that's another podcast. So, yeah, uh, uh, that's, that's another conversation. You know, that's just me, but I believe it wholeheartedly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> 100%. Dude, I saw a picture of you today, mm-hmm. this morning. Came across oh, my Facebook feed <laughs> of little Jack Berry. Yes. Little Jack Berry with his little backpack. And his new shoes and his first day of school sign with glitter and glue and, like, you know, little Sharpie drawings all over it. Dude, you went full first grader. Bro. First day of first grade uh, all over Facebook, there, man. First of all, there, is a, there is a... Jack Berry, first day of school. If you have not seen it, you can see it off of any one of my soci- sociable... Uh, profiles i think i think i need to post it on instagram but if you're on twitter or facebook you can see it so we found that at walmart last night my wife and i did and my wife and i and i'm like i ran it by my wife first i'm like i think i want to do this she's like that'd actually be funny so i did it and i was right and i was going through the questions because it's like 
you know, how old are you? And what's your, what's the day? What's the first day of school? And who's your favorite teachers is like, mind you, I am a graduate student. <laughs> and so it's like, this is going to be funny. So it's like, I'm 33 years. And it, dude, when it said I am, and then you were supposed to write like your height and then your weight. I'm like, if you see it, I am a grown, I, I was going to say grown ass man. <laughs> I'm, I'm a, a grown, grown man. man. Yeah, that's <laughs> and what, scratched out that's the other what, two questions. Dude, that's what tickled me the most, man. I saw that and just, what am I? And I was just like, and then he just writes a grown man. <laughs> the last, I quest, the last dude, question awesome. I had to be really witty about, because everybody would like put something. It's like when I want to grow up, that was the question. And I said, yeah, when I want to yeah, grow up and yeah. I said, I want to be. And it has a colon in there, and I said debt free. <laughs> debt free, don't we all? Isn't that the isn't that the ambition of every yeah. grown adult? I just want to be debt free, man. Like saying. I don't really care what happens. Just I don't want to owe any money to anybody. Yep. No yep. credit card, nothing like that. So you're going to grad school. Yep. You're getting a master's in business, Pub- public administration, with a focus on uh, the non pub men. We call yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> on the nonprofit world, so okay, yeah. all right, right on. How long are you going to be in that, man? Like, like I need to know how long uh, I now have to deal with you in school now when trying to record, because uh, as if you didn't need any other things distracting you from obviously this being your first priority <laughs> um, until probably twenty twenty three. So if I oh, go, no. if I go, if I go, pretty. I mean, some of the classes you can knock out pretty well like they're not going to be so my undergrad was in political science and we'll get into that on this episode um, yeah. but uh so some of those classes are pretty easy to knock out um i mean honestly of what of my, my previous graduate um kind of samplings were with uh seminary I think this will be a little bit easier walk in the park than that. So yeah, because you were in grad school classes at Western, right? Mm-hmm. Getting like a master's in a master's the- in biblical and theological studies. Then yeah, I was yeah. about three quarters in. And then that. he smartened up and realized that's going to make him no cachiche <laughs> whatsoever, bro. I wish I would have done that before I got my master's <laughs> in theology because you know how often <laughs> I've used that sucker, <laughs> Zippo times. <laughs> it has gotten me nothing. Well, I. <laughs> You get nothing. You got. Will- you get nothing. Willy Wonka. <laughs> you lose. Um, so yeah, I went the the public. So it's interesting too um, this route now because I am at a Augustinian Catholic school, which is Villanova, and that is about the closest thing you are going to get to Protestantism and Catholicism, um, because uh, Augustine was man. He traverses a lot of different denominations and a lot of different thoughts. He so. played for both teams. <laughs> <laughs> he is a he is a designated he, hitter on a lot of different teams. He, there, <laughs> he hit right-handed and then turned right around and hit left-handed. <laughs> yeah, that's what he did. Yeah, but in any case, they're like unapologetic too. Like we're going through my my theory class for public administration, and they're straight out in front of it, going, "Hey, like here's the social doctrine of the church," and it's like. Okay, and like I'll kind of like do my own. Yeah, little, like, like not really dive. about that, but uh, you know, I'm getting a business degree. The con- right? the concepts of it, yeah, the concepts of it within public administration are are there, and that can help out a little bit, and they can traverse things. But um, 
and I mean generally, like, and I've seen a lot of other videos do this. Generally, they try and root it into a vague biblical thought, um, and you really have to deep dive into it. Which, I mean, this social doctrine in the church really only came into play until the Industrial Revolution, so it's very young in comparison to a lot of the other doctrine we know within the church. And I'm talking about the big C church, not just Catholic, Roman Catholicism or Catholicism in general, but yeah. So when you're done with your degree, yeah, are you going to take the diploma and nail it to the door of the, uh, <laughs> the seminary? <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> you need to walk in on your last day of school with a shirt like, from, from a uh, shirt from a, uh, uh missional wear of oh Luther and just nailed it. <laughs> um, so in my, in my, um, it was funny because in my packet for acceptance and admissions, I actually wrote in there that I am a Protestant. I'm a particular Baptist and how that fuels me to look at, um, Augustine and what he wrote and what he thought and how church history is very holistic and somehow they let me into their school so I mean <laughs> they were hey, like we can change it if a particular Baptist can go in there without being changed um, you can too <laughs> you could just just you could, Jack's gonna go in there and he's gonna be like learning some like some like economics class for and he's just gonna go full <laughs> Theobro and oh, be like you no. know what let's talk about 1517 <laughs> The year Martin Luther uh, did his deed. Oh, man. Oh, my goodness. Well, dude, I'm excited for you, man. It'll I'm be excited fun. for you. Yeah. It'll be fun. And I will say this. Probably one of the main driving reasons that got me to that school was their uh, their network of veterans in there uh, and how they have a very succinct network of veterans uh, veterans groups and stuff like that and how those groups network and help each other out. But then on top of it... Um, I now have a March Madness team to root for. Oh my god. To goodness. take it to the That's the real they, reason. I'm pretty right sure there. they won a couple years ago. Did they not? Did Villanova win Villanova? it all? Villanova? I don't years? I don't watch I wrestled the dude. Did. I don't watch basketball. In any case, I'm just saying it'll be it'll be epic. I mean, our football team is not that great for NCAA for kind of the Ivy League private schools, but our basketball team They'll smoke you, son. I mean, I got my master's from Liberty, so I have nothing to say. Okay? Like, I, I yeah. Hey, yeah. it could have been. That's uh, not hanging on the wall anymore. Hey, Oral Roberts upset at Ohio State this year. It could happen to anybody. I'm just it saying. Could, it could happen. It could happen. But. So I, I do have to say, though, like one thing that I'm somewhat sad about is you furthering your education and getting a master's degree is really, really taking away from the Brojack image that I'm trying to foster on this podcast. <laughs> Because not a lot of bros have a master's in public, whatever it was, administration. <laughs> it doesn't really fit with the vibe. Dude, now. So I'm going to need you to maybe change your emphasis. Uh, once I get my <laughs> master's, I can technically be a public theologian. So oh hey, to all you gosh. other people out there trying to like say. Don't. If you, I, I swear, I, you if know you what? start I can't flaunting that, that, I can't I'm do going, that either. I have too much self, self-awareness self to I do would that. rip you so hard. <laughs> Dude, if I saw you flaunting that, I'd be like, get out of here. Ja- on Twitter, Jack Berry. Public theologian, <laughs> co-host the Reformatory everybody, podcast. Everybody, their mother has that on their Twitter bio. Dude, right now, I dude. don't. <laughs> I have. I'm a barber, and I'm the co-host of the Reformatory. I'm a. What else do I have on there? Flannel aficionado, because I like flannel. And you got to if you're in the Pacific Northwest. You really do. It's kind of. It's kind of part of it. Like if you're if it you're living out here you. in the PNW and you don't like flannel, yeah, you're There's probably in the wrong, wrong area, you. especially on a nice gray day. Oh. 
dude, we're coming into the gray days. I'm so happy. I wore flannel up there to Canada. Oh yeah, you made it through the border. Yes. You, well, you made it back. Yes, I made it back. Yeah, I was I was worried. <laughs> I was worried because you went up there and you went radio silent, and I thought, well, uh, he's in a nice, albeit comfy and hospitable. Oh jail, yeah. Right. I don't know. Doing, doing maple syrup shots. <laughs> I was with getting the I was getting conflicted reports on the border patrol up there from our community group leader because his daughter goes to school up there in Canada uh, for nursing, and so he was like, "Yo." Canadian Border Patrol ain't playing. They might come after you. They might actually raise their voice at you. I feel like every Watch time. Out. I feel like, um, and it's funny because but it always ends in please, dude. Though. No, uh, <laughs> I, I have I have stories from Vancouver. Grumpy Canadians, dude. Angry, angry, swearing, no apologetic Canadians talking about no. how the dogs need to go to their dog park and not pee on a soccer field. No. <laughs> dude, it was obscene. Canada, what's going on up there? And Drew, then, dude, Drew Dick, what's dude, going on dude, up there? It, hey, not only Drew, who else Who else are some... I well, mean, my, Chally's. Chally's in Chally's Canada. Is Cana- my pastor's Canadian. And, and he's like, when we came back that Sunday, he's like, so how was the homeland? <laughs> <laughs> it was like, great. There's a reason I'm on this side of the mountains. <laughs> yeah. It uh, did feel. It did definitely feel more European as, as once we once we started driving in there. Sure, because yeah. then the mer- the lane merging things. Yeah, those trip me out. It's almost like you're in a different country, bro. Those came like out that. of nowhere, but once you start getting back to the border, it's like okay, okay. it's starting to feel like I'm starting. It's starting, it's starting to feel, to like, feel like freedom again. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> no, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> That metric system, <laughs> dude. Okay, so I looked at the miles oh, per gosh. hour, Here and it's like go. it's like a hundred kilometers per hour, and I'm just like, okay, what is that? I'm like 60 you want to go you want people to go it's like dude people are going 70 or 80 in the states oh yeah that's canada you know like man you're not getting anywhere fast yeah um well jack speaking of uh speaking of tense uh tense foreign relations relation yeah foreign relations between uh countries um this is a topic that you wanted to talk about yes um yeah because you actually have some experience being a, uh, I almost said Vietnam vet. Oh man, it's that's, almost that's like that true. right that's now. Not what we're going to talk about uh, being an Afghan vet, yeah. right? Um, and you wanted to talk about just kind of the recent, uh, really, really horrible, horrible stuff that has gone on in the Middle East uh, in Kabul and Afghanistan, the Taliban taking over, things like that. Um, yeah. Really horrible stuff that yeah. you hate to see, um, and. As we do on this podcast, we want to talk about the issue, but then also frame it in the context of how we should be viewing this or responding to this in the context of the local church. I am at a bit of a disadvantage because sure. I I don't have the personal experience that you do in this. Yeah. Um, I do have thoughts of how we should be responding that, that we're going to get into. Yeah. But I want to kind of just give this to you and um, maybe answer for me first and our listeners why, why this is something that you wanted to talk about. Yeah. I think so. I think A, it's definitely on everybody. I mean, first of all, we saw... Just a couple weeks ago, absolutely terrifying um, footage of uh, military C-17s that are huge kind of um, supply um, cargo planes for the Air Force coming into Kabul 
them going in and them taking off and people are just holding on for dear life to them, right? Um, you see that. You see the amount of kids, women, children, men, influxing and trying to leave because you have a oppressive regime coming in. Definitely playing face um, to the global kind of media perspective of nothing's going to happen. It'll be okay. It'll be an inclusive environment, which I'm like, that's complete garbage. If the Taliban is telling you they're going to be inclusive, you know, like, uh, <laughs> come on. <laughs> that's like, that's like the Maury. mob. That's like the mob saying they're they're coming into their shop into your shop to protect you. Maury Povich needs right? to do the lie detector. Yeah. You you <laughs> you 100% lied on that. Um, Survey says you are the father. You are the oppressive. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I mean. So there's that. And then there's also this, I mean, just what we have in the United States where something happens and people jump on it and put in their own two cents and then start making tribes and cross-cutting everything. And so I wanted to take the time to just say, hey, I'm somebody that's deeply affected by it um, in the ways of, I had been in four different provinces in Afghanistan during my over-year deployment there in 2011-2012. Um, and then on top of that, I did... There was three interpreters that I met that were great there that were Afghan. Two of them were Afghan nationals. One of them was born in Afghanistan, then moved to Chicago and was a contractor as an interpreter. So he's an American citizen, uh, and he was just doing contract work. And that guy was incredible as well, too. And then um, you also had Afghan National Army soldiers and officers that I worked with. Um, So the thoughts that come into my head were, where are those guys at? What's happening? And then the, the immediate thoughts as well, too, is where is the Afghan church in all this? And what's happening to them? Because I was in a previous church in 2011 where there were some guys who were missionaries to Afghanistan and those stories were incredible to hear. Um, but yeah. Well, and, and we've been hearing, you know, more and more reports of, you yeah. know, text messages and uh, things of that sort being leaked of the Taliban, basically sending messages to churches, individuals oh, yeah. that they know are Christians. And basically, I mean, upfront saying we are coming for you. We're going to kill you. Um, We're going to take your scriptures. We're going to take all your symbols. Um, We're going to kill your pastors, um, take your women and children, do unspeakable acts with them. Yeah. 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 And and, and we we are faced here in national news coverage what true persecution looks like of the church. Yeah. Right. And that, that I have to say, because I don't have the the personal link that you do right or anybody else that served in afghanistan during those years you know you made friends with is it is it um afghanis afghans yeah okay okay, some actually i've heard conflicting thoughts on that because some either afghans or afghanis i wasn't sure so some people in the region as well i've heard that iranians will call afghans afghanis okay but I mean, that's I mean, so that's a regional kind of thing. But we used to just say Afghans because their money was Afghani, 
Oh, I see. Okay, sure, yeah. sure, sure, sure. So, so, uh, so, you know, you know, I wasn't in that environment where you're you're making friends with the interpreters, the interpreters' families, individuals there, you know, other uh, um, other Afghan soldiers. Yeah, right. Like, you have like relational connections with these individuals, right? Yeah. That's something. That's an experience that I I can't say that I have. Yeah. So my mind goes to the only thing that I can really relate to and that is my brothers and sisters in Christ sure right yeah and the church in Afghanistan that I know has been and looks like is going to be even more persecuted because they dare yeah to worship the person of Christ yeah in a culture that is blatantly unapologetically Muslim and anti-Christian yeah right um and that, to me, is you know seeing these reports and seeing the suffering that's there, and just the knowledge that that oppressive regime of the Muslim Taliban taking over the entire area. I can't imagine the 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 fear that would take over me, even yeah. as a Christian, in that environment, knowing that you know what. Rubber's going to meet the road here real quick. And more than likely, within a short time span, I'm going to be having to make a decision. Yeah. Whether to deny Christ or have my head chopped off. Either that or somehow, by the grace of God, navigate, navigate Kabul, navigate the checkpoints that they have that literally I've heard... You only get by those if you pay those guys off thousands of dollars American and somehow they turn their, you know, turn their back and you get through or if they don't rip up your documents or anything like that because you want to get out. Um, Because right now the like fresh reports are saying the Taliban is like not letting people out. They're like and they're doing it in the face of, well, we want to keep our talent for our economy. And I'm like. Okay. <laughs> yeah, let's sure keep keep playing that tune, you know. So there's going to be I mean, there's either going to be that. I mean, there's going to be a strict there's a strict hard line uh of them wanting all, you know, NATO forces out of their country by the 31st of August, which by the time that this podcast drops, that has already been passed. Yeah, and we'll see what transpires after that. And so then you got to wonder these are hypotheticals. Does some NATO nation break that and just say, whatever we're staying until everybody we get needs to get out, gets out, which I mean, a lot of other nations, the UK, um, a lot of other, um, European nations have said, we want to stay longer. Um, but it is completely now. And we are not, we are not good on the chessboard right now <laughs> with strategic pieces we need in order to make that happen. So it is a very complex situation. It is a very grieving and lamenting situation. But yet on top of it, I see time and time again of these stories of, especially one recently, of just like a Marine. He has a sea of people in front of him. And he takes out a huge water bottle and he just starts giving kids water, telling them yeah. to like yeah. signal to open their mouth, to give them water so they're hydrated, so they don't die of dehydration. So, and he does it with this crazy amount 
of bravado and happiness and joy. And that has been something that's been seared on my mind lately. Um, and just pictures of service members holding babies, like cradling these kids that are trying to get, like their parents are trying to get across the walls and somehow they have got over, these babies have, and these service members, these Marines or soldiers are holding them. And it's just like, man, to have that kind of oppression and fear in your life, I don't think has ever crossed the minds of any naturally born United States citizen right now. It's hard to think that way. Yeah, you know? it's it, it's not something that we can identify with, yeah. you know, um, and it's not something that we can look at that situation and be like, oh, yeah, no, no, you know, I know exactly how that person feels. Yeah. Right. And it's a difficult, I think what's most difficult for me, um, and this is, I think, again, because I don't have really that, that personal experience, but, but I do with the church. I have a connection to my brothers and sisters yeah. in Christ, right? And I think what's hardest for me to come to grips with is the knowledge that this that there is suffering coming for these people. It's not it's not a question of if but when with the Taliban in power. Mm-hmm. And the Church of Christ, the remnant of his people that are in Afghanistan, and he has them there. <laughs> the church is in Afghanistan. Mm-hmm. Um their faithfulness and commitment to the gospel is about to be severely tested. Oh yeah. And that to me is one of the hardest things to think about because, um, because for the most part, I know what they're going to choose. Yeah. (laughs) They're going to choose heaven Yeah, and they're going to choose Jesus Yeah, because they understand what the gospel has given them because they understand what, life was like without it yeah right and it's something that it's something that i can't really understand Mm -hmm. on a first-hand basis but my heart truly aches yeah for my brothers and sisters because they are my brothers and sisters like i have a closer relational bond to the christians the men and women that are in Christ in Afghanistan than anyone here in America yep. that is not a Christian. Yeah. My bond with them is so much closer because we are brothers and sisters united by the blood of Jesus. And that is so hard for me to come to grips with. Mm-hmm. And it's really like all I can do is like pray. Yeah. <laughs> and 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 that's that's perhaps the hardest part is like so much of me wants to do something. Yeah. Like, you know, like I want to be the guy to lace the boots up and grab the AR-15 and go in and save yeah. as many people as I can. But I can't. Yeah. I can't. Yeah. Right. I am left with prayer. Yeah. And lifting them up to the father, praying that he will be merciful to them in however that mercy is, is doled out in yeah. his providence. And that do that's, that's really hard for me <laughs> um, because it grates against like everything innate that I am in my in my desire to want to control the situation and to make the situation better right like i have this innate savior complex that i have to fight against yeah yeah it's really tough because we're in a predicament and where 
we're really in this situation where now citizens of this country can't really i mean we're left to basically trying to figure out stuff but through nonprofit world now so there's two nonprofits actually one of them lures uh which is lutheran immigrant refugee services and then also world relief which is more of an evangelical um Nonprofit that actually started uh, during the end of the Vietnam War when all the people from Saigon were leaving out, which was like that office went from four staff members to 100 in like two years because of that issue. And they got 130 or 140,000 people out of Saigon during that time. But that was a situation where you could get that many people out because two years later, the North Vietnamese, the North Vietnamese took over Saigon. So it was a very slow process versus right now, the conditions in which we're at are completely deteriorating. Like they have crumbled. And now we're in a situation where we're surrounded and we will be surrounded. And unless there is some sort of grace given to us, in order that that doesn't happen, or even there's a resistance force uh, in the north, just north of Kabul, unless somehow they come down and they push the Taliban out of Kabul, um, yeah, the situation is going to get more and more grim as the days, hours, and the week goes by. So, so how should we be responding? You know, especially in the light with what I said before about having and and I don't think I'm alone in this I yeah. think we in the church can often whatever the issue is right yeah. struggle with a a savior complex sure right that like we need to be the ones to fix the situation we need to be the ones to you know help get this person whatever whatever the context out of the situation that they're in right yeah. whether it's <clears throat> a bad relationship or drugs you know you know whatever it is Especially in light of that, when we look at the horrible things going on, how should we as the church, do you think, be responding to the stuff that we're being bombarded with in the news? Because, and especially, like, the news is throwing every angle oh, yeah. on it and, like, turning it into political issues, right? Well, then, Whether you're yeah. on the right or you're the left or you're the middle, you know, whatever it is, it's a political issue. Yeah. And I think we have to, as the church, need to do better at pulling ourselves out of that scenario and viewing it in through the lens of Scripture, through the lens yeah. of the gospel, right? So how do you think we as the church should be viewing this situation? What are some things that we can be actively doing? So I want to go back to and talk about... Um, so my opinions on the policy in which brought us to this point are very, I don't know. I think we, I think there needs to be a better discussion of that. It's heartbreaking, but there needs to be a better discussion about that policy because this is basically like domino after domino, after domino, after administration, after administration has made failures to bring us to this point. No doubt about it. But the thing that I focus on is like, okay, what happens to those people? <laughs> what happens to these Afghans who are, you know, interpreters and stuff like that coming over to the U.S., which, by the way, they don't come directly into the U.S. They go to a military installation first, 
and then do a lot of security checks and screenings and everything yeah, like that. Yeah, fingerprints and all that yep. stuff. Yeah, yeah. Before they come in and get flights to the United States. And so um, there's been a lot of documentation, a lot of, um, I think, fear-mongering over the fact that, you know, refugees are coming straight from Afghanistan into the United States. That's not the situation. It's they get they come from Afghanistan into a military installation abroad, and then they start a process that goes in depth and then from there then they get a flight over to the United States and then they start to settle in whatever city they want to settle in. Um, and so if you're in a if you're in a, uh, a big metropolitan city primarily uh, where you have Afghans at which is either going to be usually Virginia. Virginia has been the place where a lot of Afghan refugees even before this started to settle at kind of in the Maryland, Virginia, D.C. area. Um, but there's other cities like Dallas that have said, hey, we're willing to take in refugees. Seattle, Tacoma, our area is definitely doing that. Um, certain parts of other than Texas are doing that as well, too. So I'm going to I'm going to basically outline some some basic scriptural thoughts and then some church history, how that plays out in church history. So scripturally how we should treat refugees is how what the bible and what even christ teaches about how you treat your neighbor how you treat them how you love them how you care for them your love and your care for them is going to exude um the gospel in word and in deed right so i think that's part of it is loving them not only in deed but also remembering in word so those are kind of combined together and we could even go back to leviticus and talk about how there are laws in place of the sojourner um coming into the the kind of the fold if you will of god and how you deal with that sojourner and how there's love and protection but also wanting them to know about who yahweh is who god is right so there's that aspect to it scripturally. And then there's the other aspect where we see in church history where I can think of two occasions. One of them is uh, Augustine where Rome gets attacked for the first time and invaded, not taken over, but invaded. And a ton of refugees came from Rome down to North Africa and he starts to take them in and starts to preach on this. Those sermons then became the foundation for what he wrote in City of God, which is a huge book about Christian ethics. Um, so you have that, and then you have a more recent, I would say, event that happened in church history, which most of us Reformed folk would know of, which is the person of John Calvin, in which he is a... Who? <laughs> John who? <laughs> Calvin? Calvin? <laughs> which... He is a he is a Frenchman, and he had pastored first in Strasbourg, where he took in about four hundred to seven hundred French refugees. And you got to remember that is a time period in which, if you denied major, I mean, the religion of Roman Catholicism and the government were in sync. Meaning, if you denied anything from Roman Catholic doctrine you were immediately an enemy of the state. Hence the need for the Reformation. Exactly. Right? Yep. So you have that um, in the time of the Reformers, hence why you have so many refugees coming in. 
Not only does he do that in Strasbourg, he does that also in Geneva as well. But I want to read something that's actually in the Institutes that he wrote actually on refugees that might bring some clarity of how we go about loving our our neighbor who's our refugee uh, who's coming to the United States. Um, he says, uh, referring particularly to religious refugees in whom he says that this divine image is the most carefully to be noted. On this basis, he commands, therefore, we have no reason to refuse, this is John Calvin, therefore, we have no reason to refuse any whom uh, who come before us needing our help. If we say that he is a stranger, the Lord has stamped on him a sign that we know, the image of God. We, uh, if we allege that he is uh, contemptible and worthless, the Lord responds by showing us that he has honored him by making his own image to shine on him. If we say that we owe him nothing, the Lord tells us that he has brought him before us so that in him, in the refugee, we may see the many benefits that we owe to him. If we say that he, the refugee, is unworthy and we take even a step in his behalf, a step away in his behalf, the image of God which we are to see in him is quite worthy that we give for it all that we are and have, even when it is someone who not only is worthless, but also has insulted and injured us. This is not reason enough for us to cease loving, pleasing, and serving him. Ooh. So, um, so John Calvin puts it plainly right there as well, too, that the image of God is on people, these refugees, that all, all people in, of humanity are made in the image of God, right? They have worth uh, and they have dignity. They obviously may not have Christ, but it's still our duty as the church to come to that refugee and to preach the gospel in word and deed. And obviously sometimes that is going to involve <laughs> having some hard conversations about differences of what do you mean by the Bible? What do you mean by salvation? And then there's also going to be practical things that are pretty easy to come by, giving them food giving them maybe a temporary place to stay. So a lot of the, the nonprofits that I talked about, uh, LERS or World Relief, are doing a lot of things of like training up people to be like temporary, um, temporary home hosts in which certain Afghan families come and stay with them for a short period of time before they get into a situation where they can go into um, a more permanent housing situation. Or um, even volunteering. The simplest thing of going to the airport, picking up a family, taking them to their temporary home. The smallest thing like that, and then even giving them water or food or gift. Uh, World Relief has talked a lot about giving gift cards to like Winco or Safeway or Albertsons or Fred Meyer or Kroger or whatever you have in your certain area. If you're in Kentucky, food line, if you will. <laughs> sure, sure. Kentucky Fried Chicken. <laughs> um, giving the people, I mean, I'm sure Afghans would love uh, Chick-fil-A. 
Um, they were super oh, huge probably. on chicken over yeah. there. So that would be interesting to have uh, take an Afghan family to Chick-fil-A. Um, <laughs> Give them the Lord's chicken. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, there's practical things. And a lot of families actually in our local church are, are making these steps of saying, how can we be practical in, um, in just showing love and care? In just a small way. And a small way is just like donating a gift card and sending that to one of the world relief offices here in the Puget Sound region, but also like in your certain area and city as well too. Um, and I've seen other people as well that they're like, we'll make meals. Like we'll start doing these things to love them well. Um, I think that exudes the gospel because think of what we were <laughs> Before we were saved and cleansed by the blood of Jesus, we are these aliens and strangers. And then we come into the church. People rejoice in the salvation we've experienced in the Lord Jesus. And you become part of the family. I think having that mentality while serving people that may not be part of the family right now, but I hope the Lord wills that to come is something that you could do. Like I said, giving i know some other people who want to directly give to families and i've been trying to talk to the nonprofits about like hey is there a possibility of that happening i'm sure there will be in time to come but they need to figure that out first and get like a more succinct communication out but those little things i mean the first thing is obviously pray if you feel so helpless pray to the lord about these things if you feel called to serve and volunteer you can do that through World Relief or through LERS. And the smallest thing, like I said, if you have a car, you can pick up people and take them to a temporary housing place. Or if you just want to give gift cards, you can also go on those sites and give gift cards or donations or something or allocate certain money to certain ways. So those are definitely practical ways, I think, right now. And then even just while they're in Afghanistan, a lot of guys I, I put up on social me- on my social media um this chaplain who's an air force chaplain was requesting certain things of like small little toys for the Afghan kids who are coming through Kabul airport or water or just small certain types of candies and stuff like that. So there's a lot of practical things that the church people in the church can do right now to help out. And I hope that it spurs people on to hopefully righteousness. (laughs) So, yeah. And, and I would say too, um, and this, this might get me in trouble. It probably will, but I'm going to say it anyway. Um, we need to do a better job at the church, or, or excuse me, as the church, in viewing situations like this, not through the lens of the laws of America. Oh, yeah. But through our calling as Christians. <clears throat> yeah. Now... I'll caveat, we live in America. We're called to obey the laws, respect the laws, and those laws are there, and we're called to respect them. Yeah. I am not saying that we need to be throwing <laughs> out all the laws and <laughs> open the borders and let everyone <coughs> in because, because <clears throat> that's that's what I hear. <clears throat> like, like, like that's what I can hear somebody saying. Yeah. You know, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, it is so easy to view these types of situations, especially this one specifically, through the lens of 
I'm an American citizen, so um, everything that I'm viewing that through is through that that lens specifically. Yeah. Right? And we need to do a better job at understanding that our citizenship in America is secondary. At best, yeah. At best. Yeah. We are called to be the hands and feet of Christ. Yeah. Of Jesus to these people that are hurting. Whether they are Christians or not, we are called to have compassion on them because they are image bearers. Yeah. And we show our commitment to the gospel primarily by preaching it and then right after that by giving the practical outflow of that belief yeah and that is what we should be doing as christians so make sure that as you're watching the news and you're seeing these people coming in um that you don't have a heart of judgment Mm. Um, and just kind of the, well, you know, look at where our country's going, all these, you know, it, it's very easy to fall into that. Yeah. Look at these individuals, how Jesus would look at them as displaced sojourners that have been cast out of their homeland because of threat of death. Yeah. And they're trying to protect their families and get out. Yeah. If the role was reversed, you would, I would do the same thing mm-hmm. and look on these people with compassion and pray for them pray that the Lord would open their eyes to the love of Christ through the work of his people, mm-hmm. through the work of his church. Um, and pray for your brothers and sisters in Afghanistan. Yeah. Because the hard reality is uh, this earthly life for them is about to get very difficult. Yeah. And I just, they are going yeah. to need the peace and the courage that comes from knowing Jesus understands and he is standing there with them in the midst of whatever they're going through. Yeah. I think the other thing, too, is just um, that aspect that we see so much in the Psalms where a certain psalmist or even David talks about being surrounded, being enveloped by his enemies and all these other things. Like, that's the reality of the church in Afghanistan right now. Um, And they can't even sometimes go outside you know, um, they're relegated to their homes because they fear that if they even take a step outside, they might be killed. So that's tough. It's also tough if they have served in any kind of capacity within the U.S., like serving alongside U.S. military. The Afghan government actually um, registered with the Afghan government uh, when they became kind of democratic so you got to think the Taliban now has access to all those names, all those churches, all those people on a list and can basically figure out how to go about that. So that's another difficult thing uh, to be praying about. And I'm praying that hopefully some of those families get out and come to the U.S. Um, and we're able to shelter our brothers and sisters here. Um but it is going to be a very hard to use the word uh, time for them in the future to come. Um, And it makes you think about what you've been given, you know, it makes you think about the benefits that we have in certain countries that we live in. It should put things into perspective. Yeah, absolutely. For us, right? Like we, as the American church have it, have it very easy. Yeah, we do. Um, especially when you view 
things in light of you know what our brothers and sisters in Afghanistan are going through. So it should spur us to thankfulness and contentment and praise to the Lord for his graciousness toward us. It should spur us to be in prayerful pleading, lifting our brothers and sisters in Afghanistan up to the Lord uh, for grace and courage and peace. Um, And it should cause us in general to be more compassionate and to look on people with compassion as image bearers of God that we are called to love and we are called to share the gospel with regardless of anything. Yeah. Of anything. Right. So uh, that's, that's, that's important. So uh, Jack, a heavier episode. A little somber. Uh, Yeah. A little little bit more real. Um, Yep. 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 But, but I think definitely an important one. So um, we've gone longer than normal on this one. So uh, why don't you wrap us up and get us out of here, man? Yeah, absolutely. So, if you just need, uh, maybe if I have, maybe if you have a question about this specifically and how we can pray for Afghanistan as well, you can find us on all the sociables, if you will, all the social media sites, the Instagram, the Facebook, uh, the Tweaker, the Twitter, um, all at our tag at Reformatory Pod. And Josh, you can tell the people how they can maybe be our patron. Maybe we don't want to talk about that on yeah, this episode. Yeah, yeah. Maybe no, 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 it's no, like, no, no, no. In, in, in actuality, um, if you were on the fence of whether or not to support us, you know, with $5 a month or something like that, we'd encourage you. Um, it's a much better use of your money uh, and a much uh, more gospel advancing use of your money, we believe right now, to uh, send some support, if you can, um, to any of those organizations that Jack was talking about that are sending aid to... Uh, our brothers and sisters in Afghanistan, some food or toys or candy for the kids, you know, something to bring some, some joy and, um, uh, you know, sustenance in that, in the hard time that they are in. So we'd ask that you, uh, go do that. I think, I think that would be, that'd be a lot better. And next time maybe we can talk about Patreon, (laughs) but, uh, we do thank you, uh, listeners for, um, hanging with us through this ep. Sorry it was uh, kind of a downer, but we'll be back to regular scheduled program next week. Um, <laughs> we do thank you for listening, and uh, please join us in praying for Afghanistan. Uh, and we love you all, and we will catch you on the next step of The Reformatory. Mm-hmm.